Today is Crossway's ninth anniversary Sunday, and it is also our Vision Sunday. By vision, I don't mean organizational vision, but more of vision from God. We call it spiritual direction that God gives us for us to focus on in the new year. So in light of that, let me begin with this question. What do you want to be when you grow up? And obviously we were asked this question uh, as a child. And on the surface it sounds like a what to be question. But if we keep asking that question, uh, even as an adult or midlife or growing older, it is actually more about what kind of person do you want to become. It's about character. If this question is asked to us as a church, it is also more about mature character of our church community rather than about things we do well externally or programmatically. If so, this question is critical to our church and our church's next step as a growing church that anticipates to be used by God in making a greater impact on this world. At the beginning of each year, our tradition is to ask this question individually and cooperatively in our solitude and silence day. Lord, what do you desire to see in us as your church in this year? If we ask that question individually, Lord, what do you desire to see in me in this year? So, as the pastor of this church, I asked a question in my extended time with God and in my solitude and silence. But every time when I asked that question, Lord, what do you desire to see in us as your church in this year? He brings up loving one another. And as you've seen, the title of today's message is Let Us Love One Another. And then some of you, just like me, might be thinking, oh, what else is new? It's a kind of boring vision, isn't it? That's what I thought so. So I, as God brings that up, and I pushed it away, but it is like a boomerang, boomerang e- effect on me. God I, we got that. So we're excited about this new uh, opportunity as we partner with World Relief and uh, serving the refugee family, Tihadis. And uh, our outreach ministry is looking forward to going out to the homeless missions, uh, homeless ministry, as well as a food bank or sheepfold. So maybe something more exciting, isn't it? but it will come back. Love one another. So a few times hearing that, I couldn't push that away. And I realized it is a vision that God wants us to have in this year. The more I think about it, to be honest with you, I realized that it is not a boring vision. It is blazing fresh vision that God wants us to have in 2017 and my heart is stirred up 
And I hope to share this message and this vision that whole church would be stirred up as well. My text this morning is first letter of John, chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. Let me begin with reading the text first. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. So in light of what's given to us, and instead of doing the exposition of the first letter of John, chapter 4, I want to keep this message short, sharp, so that we remain focused on our vision and crystal clear on God's guidance and direction, spiritual direction for us. The question that we're asking is, why is loving one another so important in Crossway's next step? The first reason is this. It is a mark of authenticity as the people of God that is being born of God and know God. It is really a question of proof an essential proof of our regenerate nature, that we are really born again, that we are really saved. Bible talks about God being love, and the first letter of John has a two theme. The first part is God is, God is light, so we ought to walk in light, the truthfulness, the holiness of God. And the second part is God is love. So we ought to walk in love, the love of God. But this love of God is actually the transforming God's love for Christ's followers. The question of true Christianity. When you think about authentic mark, because even when you see the people who claim to be some, even Christians also too. But what makes a Christian real? Is it confession? Is it their attendance of church? Is it their, is, is it their religious activities? According to this verse, is actually... Anyone who knows God has a mark of God. 
who is love. What do I mean by that? We need to be crystal clear that what makes us really the true church of Christ, true followers of Christ, is not our profession, our external things, but a genuine love that comes from God and that we pass on to others, starting with brothers and sisters. And we, oftentimes we make the, the mistake to think that this love thing is the beginner step or the things that we teach our children or youth or when you become an adult is something real the reality check happens so we just kind of set aside and put in a back burner or we actually give in to this pessimism cynicism I'll get along with people that's all I can do know this if you are sons and daughters of God, if you belong to God, if you are Christ's follower, not just in confession, but inside out, the love of God is the mark on our heart. Without this mark, we are not genuine. We're fake. We're one of those pseudo Brand name, you know, the counterfeit Gucci bag. <laughs> In Jesus' word, John 13, 34 to 35, it makes total sense when as Jesus is saying goodbye to his followers, his 12 disciples, he gives a new commandment. Verse 34, of John 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. That's what makes a new, not as yourself, but as Jesus loved us. That's the new commandment. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, all people will know, even non-Christians will know, that you are a true Christian. That you are true followers of Christ. Are you real? Is Crossway real, true? Or are we making much of ourselves organization? Number two reason that why loving one another is so important in verse 8. Without it, we are mere human's organization, man's organization apart from God who is love. No matter how good we may be, 
in other aspects. So I'm telling you, one of the myths we have, and the, the worldly influence is, has penetrated into the Christian church culture as well. And then from the beginning of our crossway, we were striving to be countercultural. My confession is, even I have invigorated by this new vision, countercultural church. Whenever I get together with other pastors, or whenever I go to the big conventions or conferences, there is much of a strong influence from the culture. The size of the church, the effectiveness of the programs makes a difference. So even in Southern California, in terms of that standard, there are so many famous churches around here. And what makes us think that oh, we're too tiny, little, small, we just kind of here on our doing our own thing. But we have our pride because we are doing community better, loving one another, all that thing. But if we miss this mark of God's love invigorating, flowing through us, we're men's organization. No matter how savvy, how big, how influential, how fantastic our programs might be, we're nothing. The transforming power comes from God. And it is otherworldly. It's not like the worldly things. Tertullian is the name of a church historian and second century church father writes about Roman pagans, the unbelieving world's accusation. In their accusation, you know what they write. See how they love one another. Isn't that incredible? It's not Tertullian's word, but their words. The impact on the Roman world and Rome, how that whole world has been upside down is because of early Christians' love for one another. Not human organization. They didn't have buildings. They made in-house churches. Whatever happened to Western Christianity, American Christianity, evangelical Christianity, We should see through the God's eyes. Scripture gives us that. Where there is no love, any of strength and fancy programs, our savviness, our relevance, our influence in the political world is 
Nothing. Thirdly, verse 9 and 10 gives us another uh, invigorating push for this vision. I would put it this way. It is not elementary sentimental steps, but mature, powerful steps to make an impact on this cynical world. Verse 9 and 10 says, In this love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his own son, only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. In short, what the passage is saying is that God didn't have this wonderful, warm ideas for us. His love was tangible. His love was real. Just imagine, for those of us who are parents, any of our children being sick, it just aches our hearts, right? So can you imagine you love someone so much that you actually give your own son to die on their place? Not to show and brag the mighty you know, heart you have, but to genuine, deep love. And Jesus took what he, didn't what, did he, what he didn't deserve to give us what we don't deserve. Or another way of saying it is Jesus took what he did not deserve for what we deserve. The penalty of our sin The sin, in, according to the Bible, is coming short of the God's standard. So no one can reach God's standard by trying to be good. Any one sin can make us a sinner. And the God loving us so much that he actually gave his own son so that we might live through him. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrated his love, his own love toward us. God expressed his love. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is no boring vision. This is a vision rooted in the reality of tangible God's amazing love. If I ask you to name um, the things that you want to love, in our generation, it becomes a conceptual love. It kind of, you know, you tweet it and you 
put it on the Facebook post of your love for the hurting people, your love for this cause and that cause, easy to do. But we're still detached from that. What we need to hear is tangible encouragement for tangible love. First letter of John 3, 17 and 18. Apostle John, this is when he's, you know, the same, same John who wrote Gospel of John. Then later on, he's writing to the early churches. And as a, he became an old man and father, he calls them my children. And he writes this, but if any one has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. That's what we ought to do. Imagine your wife says to you, I love you. I love you a lot. I love you in the morning. I love you in the evening. But when you come home, there's no dinner. Your wife is just doing her own thing. Doesn't tend to your need. Okay, switch the thing around. Your, your husband says, I love you. I love you all day long. I miss you so much. And he comes home. Your baby's crying. Your whole house is messy. He's watching football. Do you really love me? Indeed and in truth. God did that. Indeed and in truth. And finally, number four reason why loving one another is so important in Crossway's next step. With it, God's love is perfected in and through us if we reflect God's love unto one another. So whenever I say unto one another, it presupposes that primary duty of love is among Christian brothers and sisters. But that doesn't mean it stops there. It overflows to others with an unbelieving world. I think the mistakes that this savvy world, the Christian world, made is that in order to make an impact in our neighborhood, instead of just us trying to get along, let's forget that it's kind of impossible anyway. We have too many conflicts. So we'll just keep our distance from one another. And let's love that homeless people. Let's love that orphans. Let's love that human trafficking cause. Whatever happened to God's love? So the result is, instead of God's name being glorified, our name is mentioned everywhere. Our organization as a church has to be mentioned everywhere. In first century... Or even second century, you know what happened? Plague came into the, to the country. And everybody flagged, in, including the people. According to Tertullian, says they would abandon their own family members because they don't want to get infected. 
Before they die, they just drop them in, into the street and walk away. Who showed up? Nameless Christians. In the name of love of God. In Christ's name. They touch them. They love them. They care for them. Does that make they, they become invincible? No. Some of them God infected. Died with them. But with peace in their heart. With praise in their lips. Many of you know. John 3.16 by memory. If you went to church ever since when you were a little kid. This is one verse that you will memorize. For God so loved the world that he gave his own son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But eternal life. But do you know first letter of John? The same John who wrote verse John 3.16. Wrote first letter of John 3.16. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Oh, we're beginning to get this is much more than elementary steps. It's sentiment, sentimental love. This is love in deed and truth. Love that may cost us deeply. Yes. But as, a, as your pastor, or as one of the spiritual leaders, if you're visiting with us, I must clarify what's not first. Before we elaborate on how to apply and what it means to love one another deeply. But before that, let's make this formal statement. In your home groups, in your men's group, women's group, I want you to talk about this in the coming week or the next week. Crossway vision. In other words, crossway spiritual direction for 2017 is to love one another deeply, reflecting God's love for us. So let's define what it is not first, so that we are not misled or misguided. First Peter 1, 22 to 23 gives us a good guideline in this. Apostle Peter writes, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. First of all, it does not mean we wait for feelings in loving others. 
Our generation is a generation that is connected with all kinds of multimedia. So wh where do we learn about love? It's movies, it's, it's, it's all kinds of storytelling through multimedia. That love is something that we feel, the worldly definition-wise. So to be true to yourself, and to not to fake your love. One of the common misconceptions that we could make is, I'm praying for love, that God will give me love. In other words, saying, I'm waiting for feelings that I could love with others. All I'm feeling is this annoyance. I just want to stay away from him, stay away from her. No, love is a choice and is obedience, is a verb. In 1 Corinthians 13, if you look for anything, there is no word that is just merely for feelings. Love is patient. Attitude. Love it is kind. Action. Love doesn't envy. Love seeks the person's best. You know, according to Jesus, when uh, Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, even the non-believers, pagans, know how to love those whom they're close to. In other words, their loved ones, the people who love them, to love them is just the basic worldly love. The kind of love that Apostle John is talking about is God's love. We're not just squeezing something we don't have. Act upon what God has given me. So stepping out faith into the, into the loving others. It is not authentic, inauthentic. It is not faking your motive. It is actually true. You know how I know that? That's how we love our children. I have four boys and you know, three of them are teenagers right now. I have a lot of annoyance with them every day. I tell them what to do, but they don't do it. They're smart in their own ways. But I love them. I love them day and night. And I do things as loving father would do. In action. In deeds. Of course, as a, a faulty human and sinful man, I make mistakes. But I repent and go back to that again. Loving them without some warm fuzzy feelings I'm, I, I, I'm no kidding sometimes I just get this annoyance boiling up <laughs> but I still love you guys <laughs> second thing it does not mean that we try to like everyone. This is another mistake that we make. 
How do you love? It's just some chemistry is really not there. And not to mention enemies, the people who hurt you. How do you love? And Jesus said, love your enemies. It doesn't mean like someone. The love that I don't have, I receive from God, I reflect to that person. I may not like the person. It may never come to a point that I feel warm, worthy feelings. But I continually seek best for that person. I be kind to that person. I stop talking about that person badly behind their backs. I pray for that person. I don't have to like them. The command is not like everybody. The command is love one another. Number three, it does not mean we focus on the whole world to love others. Our generation is the generation we need to worry about this. Some of our generation, including our youth, are passionate about some cause. It's going to push that button. Even our boys, when any kind of racism comes up or prejudice, they will correct me. Uh, that's kind of racist, Mark, Dad. <laughs> it was joke. Give me a break. Okay, even the joke. Yeah, you're right. You know how e easy it is to love the whole world because there is no faces in that. that the, you, become, you become so great and so grandeur. Look at the person next to you. Look at the person in front of you. They are the ones you are to focus. Fourthly, it does not mean that we become so good at people skills, relational experts that we would have no more conflicts. So I become so filled with loving and I will have no problem whatsoever with, no conflicts with our woman's group or men's group or other men's group or one's home group or maybe even with our spouses. Can I be honest with you? The truth is, when you begin to act on obeying this loving for one another, you will have conflicts. That's our experience, our testimony. You know why people have a hard time joining our church? To tell the truth, it's too difficult to live closely and you don't have anywhere else to go in big church. If you don't like this person, I just go to the other group. Far away from that person. 
If you don't, don't like a lot of people, you just go to another church. Isn't that how we deal with the life? We are to love one another, working through conflicts, because conflicts means we're human beings. It's normative. It's not exceptional things. If two people agree on everything, on every cases, one of them is lying, at least. <laughs> so let's apply practically. What does it mean then? I have three suggestions. Number one, we are to reflect God's love for us in loving one another. First letter of John 4 is 19. We love because he first loved us. We have no intention to love others and flow God's love to others, but God loved us first. That's how we ought to do. What does that mean then? What does this reflecting God's love look like? First of all, get this. Because it's not squeezing our love that is so shallow and so little, scarce. So we give up on that. If, I, if our heart is the tank and love tank is there, we need to be drenched and overfilled by God's love. The question is, in order for you and me to be a true Christian, we are to experience God's love every day. And some days, it will just overwhelm us. That's what first century Christians look like. So have you been receiving God's love, experiencing God's love? Or instead blame shifting everywhere, anywhere, including the pastor or church. What's wrong with your church? What's wrong with your home group? What's wrong with your men's group? What's wrong with your husband, your wife, your children, your parents? Have you sought out God's love today as if you are thirsting after one drop of cold, fresh water? After the long, hard run. Reflecting looks like this. If you are touched by God's love. You heard Michelle's story. We didn't give her any words. And her powerful words comes from her experience of God's love. She has to say something because about God's love. Not only say something... In, in terms of in the way that she loves others, you could see the glimpses of it. And she, during her college days, she was my admin assistant. She has no reason to help me at all now. She's a vice president of an organization, thriving company. And she comes into my office and says, Okay, Pastor Paul, I'm going to help you. What do you need? She used to organize my appointments and screen people. And, you know, can you make this time or 
that kind of thing, right? When, when I was working with large church, and obviously those things were helpful, but here, I don't do that anymore. Not that I don't, I don't believe in organization. My life is overflowing with, without public and private zone. My life itself is a ministry. That's been such a free, freeing experience. So, uh, Michelle, I don't, I don't have any need. Uh, you know. Uh, what else can we do? You know, there are people in our church who are serving fervently. What I'm grateful for is that they are shy people. Some of them are extroverted, but public shy of recognition because God's love that they received makes them behind the scene, humble. What makes you get up in the morning? to do a good thing for others. And there is a temptation of recognition. Somebody pat on my back, and all of a sudden you are reminded by what Christ has done for us on the cross. And then surrender your temptation. Surrender your heart. And may God be that, that spirit is a mark of a crossway. Starting with your pastor. I am praying God will keep us humble no matter how visible our impact may be in the future. Number two, we are to live out our new regenerate nature in Christ as for why we ought to love one another. In verse 11, beloved if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. By glancing over it, it sounds like Christ did this. So you should imitate what he did. And it's far more than that. What God is saying is that, what John is saying, God's word is saying to us is that if you are regenerated, born again, you are born from God's seed. If God's seed in you, your nature has been changed. Whether you believe it or not, the final glorification, completion of our salvation is God's character. We will become like God's son, Christ. Christ-likeness is our goal. That means the seed of faith, no matter how small it may be, no matter how cranky you may appear to be, if you are a true Christian, God's nature, regenerate nature, new nature is in you, which is you want to love. You have a desire to love. And quite frankly, if you don't struggle to love others, you have no plan whatsoever to loving others, you ought to doubt whether you belong to God. That's what the scripture says. I love what John Piper says about this. I read his uh, manuscript of his preaching on this, on different angle to it. But this part is so awesome. Piper writes, 
So when he says we ought to love each other, he means ought the way fish ought to swim in water, and birds ought to fly in the air, and living creatures ought to breathe, and peaches ought to be sweet, and lemons ought to be sour, and highness ought to laugh. I checked YouTube. Highness really laughed. There you go. And born-again people ought to love. It's who we are. It's not mere imitation. For the children of God, imitation becomes realization. We are realizing who we are when we love. God's seed is in us. God's spirit is in us. God's nature is in us. God's love is being perfected in us. One final point. We are to realize why God's love is perfected in us if we love one another. I kind of alluded to that and hinted that so far, but I'd like to make that point clear. When verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. His love is perfected in us. And goes on to verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him, he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. When you think about God's love and purpose is there, it's, think of it as God's love and God's spirit always has to flow. The purpose is that we have received God's word. The purpose is not complete yet. But God's love continues, flows from us to others, brothers and sisters, to the people who are needy. God's love is complete and perfected there. God's purpose is served, God's glory is revealed, manifested. Do you, I don't have time to get into this. The theologians calls this mutual indwelling. When we love God, and in the beginning of uh, the two themes in first letter of John is God is light and God is love. In the beginning of ch- chapter is obedience to God's word. Light, walking in the light. Here, emphasis is on God's love. If we keep his word, we abide in him, he in us. If we love, he, God abides in us in, and we in him. This is called mutual indwelling. God's purpose is complete. God's power is continually overflowing. People of God, this is no boring mission and vision for us. This is a blazing, fresh vision for each one of us. And I'm praying that our hearts will be stirred. We will look at our brothers and sisters in our home group, in our men's group, in a woman's group, differently through God's love. How do I reflect God's love? Even beyond that, when we try to go to homeless missions or the refugees or the sheepfold, 
that we don't take our humanitarian love, we take God's love to reflect on them, to them. May God help us as we obey and follow this vision throughout 2017. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we hear it. You not only emphasize by it, the scripture, through the saints that you have spoken the same thing, not only Apostle John, I still remember my grandma when people gathered on her deathbed and our relatives wanted to hear her last words that she might die today or the following day. After long pause, her gentle words was just love one another. I want you to love one another. And thank you that you remind us that voice through the Apostle, Paul, Apostle John and through your scripture. You beckons us that we reignite our love for one another. The crossway will be filled with people who practice and reflecting God's love to one another. Teach us to be known for our love for one another. Teach us that we have most potent tool in this dying, cynical, dark world. Teach us to be loving people. And overwhelm us, Holy Spirit, with your love. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.